Welcome to another episode of the Ace of Spades Dynasty League Pod. Turn that shit up, please. Y'all know who the fuck it is, man. It's the host with the most Cam, aka the Dynasty Demigod, aka the Ace of Spades Thanos, aka. The nigga with four of them things. AKA Mr. You fuck with me, you fucking with the best. Follow me on Twitter at Cam's Not Sober. And I'm not alone. I have today a very, very special guest. I am joined by Andy Buckler, AKA Built Different Buck. You can follow Andy on Twitter at Andy underscore Buckler. Andy, what's good? Yes, sir. What's up, Cam? I need to earn me a couple more AKAs, man, in the future. I'm just getting started. No bullshit. That shit was about dry as hell. (laughs) Welcome to the show, bro. Second time on the Ace of Spades podcast. It's always a pleasure to have you. I am really excited to have you here today because the last time you guested on the Ace of Spades podcast, you, you weren't even an Ace of Spades member. We got you in the league. You've been running it up, doing some great things with your team. You've even been lapping some of the dudes who've been in the league for, you know, nine, ten years with some of the moves that you made. Like, how you feeling, bro? First podcast as an Ace of Spades member. I'm feeling pretty good, man. I I mean, I, I thought I was doing something, but then my big bro had a shit on me and tell me I wasn't. <laughs> I'm, I'm feeling decent where I'm at. I'm happy to be in the league. First time on the pod in the league. But, yeah, I still got a lot of work to go, a lot of work to do. Bro, are you, are, you refer, are you referring to my trade frenzy on Saturday? Something like that. Hey, bro. Like Kanye said, when I made some trades, I swore I spazzed. Then my big brother came through and kicked my ass. I mean, <laughs> Buck, I had to do what I had to do. Anyway, we'll talk about that later when we get into the Ace of Spades news and notes. I'm really excited for today's pod. You know, I've turned you into somewhat of an auction demon over the past 30, 60 days getting you in your first few auction drafts. So this episode is going to be right up your alley. As always, we're going to talk about some NFL news and notes. We're going to talk about some Ace of Spades news and notes. But the biggest change in Ace of Spades dynasty this year, outside of getting rid of IDP, was transitioning from a linear auction to an auction. Uh, I'm sorry, a linear draft to an auction draft. So we're going to dive into that and talk about how the funds have been distributed just based on where we project teams to finish and give the ace of spades GMs an idea of what they could potentially shake out in this upcoming draft. I want to make sure that the league has a very, very clear understanding of auction, how it works and how you can strategize to put yourself in a best position to land some quality players. So as always, let's kick this show off with, some NFL news and notes. Buck, injuries are a part of the game. Unfortunately, on every week's slate, we have to talk about some sort of injury. And I don't wish injury on anybody, but Andy Dalton has a knee, bro. I mean, I'm not, look, I'm not saying I was hoping for it to be an ACL, MCL. I, I, I would have wished him the best if it were and been, been happy that, um, Justin Fields had an opportunity to solidify himself as the starter for the rest of the season, but turns out to be just a bone bruise for Andy Dalton. However, it does look like we're going to see Justin Fields against the Cleveland Browns this week. Now, before I turn it over to you to ask you if you're excited about that, I just want to point out that Justin Fields is undefeated, never lost. <laughs> so I know we have Justin Fields in a couple leagues that we co-own. How excited are you to be able to get to see Justin Fields in his full start, in his first start after a full week playing with the ones? I'm super excited, man, because, I mean, some of our leagues, we really need that. We get <laughs> to take Mac Jones up out of the damn Superflex spot and put someone with some actual upside in there. 
But I'm excited to see what Fields does. I mean, I was watching something today from Pro Football Doc, and he was saying that the Andy Dalton injury, like, it's pretty much, like, guaranteed to be multiple weeks at this point. So we just need Fields to play well and just not give that job back. Even what Nagy's saying right now that it's Andy Dalton's job, but we'll see in a couple weeks as long as Fields plays well and hopefully he just doesn't look back and never gives it back. I agree 100%. Yeah, you know, Matt Nagy, I was I was a uh, I was never a Matt Nagy truther coming into the season because I mean the the numbers they are what they are and I I kind of like Matt Nagy a person as a person but I'm not particularly fond of him as a coach but it, it what Trump said Get that son of a bitch off the field right now. Get this motherfucker the fuck out of here, bro. He's still talking this Andy Dalton is the quarterback when healthy. Like, you know, hopefully that's coach speak, bro. And if Justin Fields puts up a competent performance against the Browns, he can go into to Detroit and light their asses up. You know, hopefully he can have a good two-game stretch, and we'll see exactly how long Andy Dalton is, is out for. But while we're on the topic of the undefeated Justin Fields, Give me a quick rundown of how you're feeling about Mac Jones, Zach Wilson, Trevor Lawrence, and Trey Lance real quick. You know, it's, we're only two weeks in, so I don't, like, feel much different as I felt, you know, coming into the year. I will say Trevor Lawrence, I mean, he's looked real bad. I, I, like, he looked, he had, he leads the entire league in uh, most uncatchable balls. I think it's 30%, 36% of his passes have been uncatchable. So I'm pretty nervous with him. I mean, all the weapons have been bad besides Marvin Jones there. And for Zach Wilson, I mean, we both weren't huge fans of him coming out. I can't really say much with him right now because he played Bill Belichick. We don't expect him to do anything against Bill Belichick. And the first week, he looked okay, but he does do like that hero ball thing. And then for Mac Jones, I mean, he just kind of is what he is. He's just boring as hell and gets 20 for 25 with 180 yards. So kind of just kind of what I expected so far. I agree with all of that, especially the last bit. Mac Jones, I mean, I had him one spot ahead of uh, one spot ahead of Zach Wilson in my preseason dynasty QB rankings. But I mean, I don't know. Even with as bad as Zach Wilson looked last week, I mean, Mac Jones is just so fucking boring, bro. Like, I don't know. Like, I, I'm still trying to understand, you know, what his fantasy appeal can be or where those points are going to come from. But I will say, he's brought James White back from the dead. Back to Trevor Lawrence. Um. Uh, uh, I'm nervous, Max. I'll admit it. I'm nervous. Okay, I'll admit it. I'm nervous. <laughs> I mean, All right. I mean, I get it. It's 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 two weeks in, and none of the rookies have looked particularly well, unless you count, you know, Mac Jones and his clean performances. You know, high completion percentage, like low turnover rate. Like if you're a fan of that types of stuff, then then whatever. But None of the rookie QBs have looked great. Like, Justin Fields and Trey Lance haven't even gotten a real shot. But, you know, Andrew Luck didn't look like this through two weeks from what I can remember. I was looking at DJ Chark's, you know, catchable pass rate on passes 15 yards down the field. And, like, only one of them was catchable. for Like, he hasn't really given him a chance. So I, I'm, I'm still confused on DJ Chark as well. I don't want to take this pod too, too, too far left. But, like, I, I don't know. This dude's, like, the best... QB prospect in in almost 10 years, according to a lot of high-profile, you know, individual scouts and, and analysts. This is not really what I expected to see through two weeks in very pass-happy, pass you know, game environments. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I'm definitely worried, but, like, in Dynasty or whatever, you're not going to sell or anything like that. But I don't think – if you have better options, like, I don't think you should be starting Trevor Lawrence right now. Like in two quarterback certifies, you have sure. to, but definitely, I'm pretty nervous to play him. Even like in one of our redraft leagues, I, I dropped him in a single quarterback. For sure, no, definitely. Um, before we do this rundown, and I, I said I didn't want to take this podcast left, but like I, I have to, like really quick, like <laughs> recapping NFL Week Two, like dude, fucking Kyler Murray and, and the big dog, bro, like Derrick Henry. <laughs> In the flesh, like what the fuck? Like, let's go with this motherfucker, bro. Like, <laughs> this dude is like, he's about to be twenty eight before the end of the season, and he's just, and he's he's ridiculous, bro. He's a freak. And then Kyler, he's 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 playing a different game right now. Like, any quick thoughts on on Kyler Murray and Derrick Henry being absolute cheat codes in fantasy football so far in twenty twenty one? Well, for Derrick Henry, it was pretty funny because last, the week one he looked like shit, and then half of week two he looked terrible. And then everyone was talking shit. We were talking shit about it. Everyone on Twitter. And then he just went, just went ballistic in the second half and went off. It was like, shouldn't have been talking shit. 
So he's back and he's ready Thanks. to go. So I faded the hell out of Derrick Henry. We do have him in one spot, but I mean, man, I'm just, I'm done fading him. It's whatever. He's probably just going to be the biggest anomaly at running back ever, I guess. And yeah, Kyler Murray, I mean, he's a cheat code. He's just basically playing like NFL straight out there. He just runs around, waits for someone to get open and throws it like in the yard, <laughs> yard and Madden. Like that's how he plays. For real? He's a cheat code. No, he really is. Yeah, it's crazy. And and my my only other dynasty league I have him in now after I traded my my other share of Kyler Murray to you, a guy DMs me and he's like, "Hey, would you take Jalen Hurts in a first for Kyler Murray?" And I said, "Fuck no." <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> Come on, man. It's me you talking to, bro. Go play with somebody else. But all right, let's run through the rest of these uh, uh, NFL news news items. We got Jarvis Landry. With a knee injury, he's been placed on IR. We got Big Ben dealing with a pec injury, and I'm just like, <laughs> at what point can we just stop talking about Big Ben altogether? He's fucking washed. We got Deontay Johnson with a knee. Mixed reports. Some are saying, don't be confused with us telling you that the lack of severity doesn't mean the injury is significant. And I'm just like, well, what the what the fuck is going on with it then? Like, is he like we're like what's what's like what the fuck is the injury? Is he good or is he ain't? Yeah, I don't think he's good because I don't know if you saw, but he posted on his Instagram story. Come back stronger than ever. Yeah, like what, if you're if you're gonna miss a week or two, you wouldn't say come back, right? So that made me that made me a little nervous. I mean, that's just speculation, but and then Tomlin had that weird that weird quote too about. It's good, but don't confuse it with great. Like, he's like I don't know. Yeah. So I would expect him to miss, like, a decent amount of time. Like, I don't think you put comeback stronger if you're missing a week or two. Yeah, it might be, like, an MCL. Like, and I'm, like this is all speculation, but, like, Chubb dealt with last year where he missed, like, five, six weeks or whatever. Yeah, I think like so. Like an MCL sprain or some shit. Like, I don't know. Uh, Amari Cooper has ribs. Like, that is he, – he literally has ribs, but he also has a rib injury. It's not <laughs> – nah, I meant to come out. Um – Week two recap, we kind of touched on this. I, I really wanted to talk about Kyler and, and the big dog, but do you have any other uh, week two recaps or big, biggest takeaways from week two regarding, you know, let's say dynasty in particular. Like, what are your biggest dynasty takeaways from week two, if you have any? I don't know about, like, specifically dynasty takeaways, but just in general, it's just like the offenses in general in the NFL just seem like they've just been so much worse. Obviously last year it started so fast with the COVID and there was really not like great defense. But if you look at like those guys that like all those second round wide receivers that like redraft second round receivers, like AJ Brown, DK, like all those guys just getting off to like such a slow start. And I'm just hoping it's just because like maybe the defense has a, like a higher up like edge right now. But I say for, for dynasty, my takeaway with those guys would be like, just don't panic. Like I see people on Twitter talking about like panicking about DK, panic about AJ Brown. Just don't panic. It's two weeks. And those guys will all have like high target shares and everything. So don't panic about those guys, but I just think it's, it's going to take a little longer for the offenses to get better across the league. 100%. I think you hit the nail on the head when you talked about COVID, you know, defense has had very little time to prepare last off season. And everybody knows like, you know, the, the preparation is easier on the offensive side of the ball. Um, the defense is, is reactionary. Um, so it's already, it's already difficult to play defense as is, but they're definitely more prepared than they were uh, coming into the season last year. Um, yeah, I don't really have any big takeaways. We're going to get into the rises and fallers uh, so far this season. Um, why don't you give me one, your biggest riser so far, week two into the 2021 season? Uh, Rondell Moore. Um, he was someone that I know we both liked, and then I was pretty nervous about him. Like, for year one, I didn't, like, expect. I didn't know what his role would be. Didn't expect, like, how uh, like how much he'd be used. They obviously, like, they signed Dusty A.J. Green and they still have Christian Kirk and all those dudes. But, I mean, he leads the Cardinals in every single category in receiving so far through two weeks. So, uh, I mean, he just looks explosive. He fits Kyler Murray perfect with, like, the uh, the NFL street uh, play style that he has. So he's probably my biggest riser right now. And if you could buy him, like, it's starting to get probably where you can't. But if you could buy him, I would even, like, be looking to, like, buy a little high on him right now. Yeah, I think do I have him? I do have him in my biggest fallers. Um, not Rondell. He's he's in, he's one of my rises as well. But I was thinking DeAndre Hopkins is a faller because I think this is one of the lowest target shares he's had, maybe like through two games, like since since I don't know when. Um, <laughs> so 
maybe a little nervous about DeAndre Hopkins, but I agree. Rondell Moore is is a big riser. My big riser is somebody that I faded coming into the season, not necessarily in dynasty, but in season long and managed leagues is TJ Hawkinson, bro. Like they're using him like really creatively. He's he's looked really good, and he's like, um, you know, outside of the the absolute deem and the monster Quintess Cephas, like he's the alpha on that <laughs> team in the passing game. And Jared Goff has looked like serviceable, like serviceable enough to get to get him the ball. So now, you know, you, it makes you wonder after Travis Kelsey and, and Waller and Pitts, you know, does, does Kittle even belong in that conversation as, you know, that one a tight end, or is it too early to uh, proclaim him as a faller? Um, or at minimum, do we automatically move TJ Hawkinson into that tier if he wasn't there already? I think for me, I had Travis Kelsey, Kyle Pitts and Darren Waller and everybody else was like one B or below. And from, uh, you know, a talent profile standpoint, TJ Hawkinson's still behind those guys to me. Um, but seasonal, you can't, you can't knock the production and what he's been able to do through two weeks. I'll be interested to see if he keeps it up. Any thoughts on TJ Hawkinson before you move on? No, I agree with all that. For yeah, for seasonal, I had him as my tight end for the whole time, so I feel good about that. For dynasty, I mean, I would still agree. I think he's right under Pitts, and then that's like those top five, and then you have like the Mark Andrews after that. So I wouldn't like move him, like do anything crazy, like move him ahead of Pitts or anything yet. But he's gonna be like I think a league winner this season, at least in seasonal leagues and in dynasty leagues where you have him. Yeah, I agree. Especially in redrafted as round five ADP, that's going to be a smash hit. Um, another big riser for me was Marquise West Hollywood Brown. I mean, I'm not sure if this is a product of, you know, the Ravens missing their pass catcher in Rashad Bateman, their first round pick through the first two weeks and what this target distribution is going to look like when Rashad Bateman is back. You know, we're both super, super high on Rashad Bateman. He was our wide receiver two coming in. So maybe uh, Marquise West, Hollywood Brown cools off a little bit once Rashad Bateman is back in the fold, but you can't deny what he's been able to do so far through the fantasy football season. We actually saw a trade go through in our ace of spades dynasty league pre week one which in some form or fashion ultimately sent Marquise Brown to V's in exchange for Robbie Anderson. So real quick, what are your thoughts about the hot start, the top 10 wide receiver start that Hollywood Brown has gotten off to in 2021? And secondly, what are your thoughts about that trade between Burke and V's? Yeah, I mean, it kind of pisses me off, the Hollywood Brown hot start, because I was like, so ready for the year two breakout last year. I thought he was going to be like a top 15 wide receiver, but now I guess he's um, like a, a post hype sleeper, but I'm, I'm kind of buying it. I think Hollywood Brown's really good and he, he should have had a bigger game against the chiefs. He was wide open and uh, Lamar missed him for another touchdown. And even at the end of last season, he had like, it was like seven of his last eight games. He had a touchdown on all of them and he has touchdowns in both of his first two games. So I'm buying it. I think, uh, it's obvious he's going to lose a little bit of targets when Rashad Bateman comes back, but I still think like he's going to be, he's a little boom bust, but I think he's going to be like at least a starter all season for your not fantasy anymore. Team. He's not boom or bust anymore. I mean, you know, we, we were guesting on a podcast and they, they mentioned the better and best ball, you know, tagline, but I don't know. He, he looks like the focal point of this offense right now. It, it It isn't Mark Andrews. Like everybody expected with Rashad Bateman being out. I mean, we've seen that firsthand. We have, a few we roster Mark Andrews in a few places. It's he's a focal point in the passing game, and they're looking for him deep. He hasn't been able to hook up with Lamar deep, but I'll be interested to see what the offense looks like when Rashad Bateman gets back. I mean, he's a rookie getting integrated into the offense after an injury. I don't expect much from him, and it's a low volume passing offense. I, I think I think Marquise Brown is going to be able to carry this throughout the season. Real quick, what do you think about the trade? Yeah, the trade. I mean, I, I like the Hollywood side. I'm just not. I'm pretty low on uh, Robbie Anderson. Just, I mean, he hasn't done great with uh, these first two weeks already. And, I mean, the Sam Darnold thing, it's like we already saw them in New York for how many years, and they didn't have a great connection, and that's already seemed like it's uh, carried over. And they drafted Terrace Marshall, who's eventually going to take that rollover. And just the age. I mean, Hollywood's only 23 in his third year, which is like the prime breakout year. And we know Hollywood's good. And if he doesn't do well with Lamar Jackson, like if this doesn't happen, like I think he'll be good somewhere else whenever he gets to leave his rookie contract. So I like the Hollywood Brown side by a lot. Yeah, so do I. Get fucking smoked, Burke. Hey, <laughs> hey, hey, free West Hollywood, bro. No bullshit. Free him. All right, real quick. We're going to get into the rest of the show. But give me two of your biggest fallers so far 
in the 2021 season? Man, so this one hurts. My biggest follower is Brandon Ayuk. Obviously, I roster him. <laughs> I roster him in uh, Ace of Spades. I hope he's not like uh, Dante Pettis 2.0, but man, it's not looking good. He has two targets in the entire year. He did play like a decent amount of snaps in week two. He is actually finally, he's ahead of Trent Sherfield now. He played more snaps than him. I can't even believe we're talking about that. That has to be said, but he is. And then my second uh, biggest follower is, is this Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Um, he's just. <laughs> <laughs> it's not even so much him. It's just more the role he has. And uh, Patrick Mahomes, like, just doesn't throw to him. So, yeah, I'm pretty, pretty nervous about both those players going forward. Yeah, I'll piggyback off the first take and say, I'm nervous about this entire fucking 49ers off. Like, what? Kittle have four targets and seven. Like, what the fuck? Stephen, what the hell is going on? Like, what the <laughs> fuck is happening? Like, and then Shanahan is, oh, you know, I don't have a problem with Ayuk. He's not in a doghouse. He's just hurt. He, 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 he. Motherfucking shit funny? The fuck is funny? And we ain't playing, motherfucker? Like, why does he think this is funny? It's only a big deal because of fantasy football now. He, he, he. Yeah, motherfucker, well, like we mad. <laughs> fuck is wrong with this motherfucker, man? He's like I. We know Ayuk is not dog shit, bro. Like he was one of the he was one of the most productive rookies out of a stacked wide receiver class in 2020. We know he's good. Like why? Like what's going on? Real quick, one of the biggest risers because we can't go through all of them for the sake of time. But I mean, Debo Debo looks really good. Like I think Debo is legit. He's always been good. The problem has been his health, especially when you have lower extremity injuries and you play as physically as he does. You know, you always worry about that. But I mean, as long as he's healthy, you can fire him up as a wide receiver two with wide receiver one upside. I don't know what that does to his dynasty value, but you know, if I'm Rio, I'd be holding him or you know, yeah, making somebody pay up for that type of production, especially like a contender that could use Debo services this year. So, I think I'd look at him as as the only riser out of this. You know, 49ers offense, you got Jimmy G like, like, bro, I just want to stop. I don't want to talk about him, bro. Like, I don't I don't ever want to have to mention Jimmy G's name again. Like, why does he even have a nickname? I'm sorry, Jimmy Garoppolo. I never want to talk about him again. <laughs> and this dude had 11 rush attempts. And like, what what's going what's happening? Why did Jimmy G have like, did they install the offense for Trey Lance and like have Jimmy G run it? Like, why does he have 11 <laughs> rush attempts? Like, what is going on? So, yeah, stock arrow down for that entire 49ers offense outside of Debo. The Clyde thing, like, my little man's B. Like, everybody knows, like, I fuck with Clyde. And no, I had no idea this motherfucker was going to go out there and get two points before I traded him. Like, you know, this shit happens. But I'm trying not to overreact to the Clyde Edwards-Hilaire thing. But people are on Twitter talking about for season long, talking about, like, would you trade Clyde Edwards-Hilaire for Tony Pollard rest of the season, you know? And I'm just like, when when it's that bad, it's just like, like, when people, like, obviously Twitter is like, you know, <laughs> yeah, Twitter's ass. But you know, when people even start pondering shit like that, it's like, yo, is this motherfucker like ass? And 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 it isn't. You know, keep in mind the Clyde thing for real. When he listens to this pod, week two of preseason, Clyde Edwards Hilaire actually had you know an ankle injury that you know I don't know if we ever got specificity around what it was, like low ankle, high ankle. But he was ready to start the season, but. We know ankle injuries linger, especially if they're high ankles, even if it's a grade one sprain. So he hasn't been very elusive. You know, the isolated RB metrics for Clyde haven't been good through two weeks, especially after that game against Baltimore. But keep in mind, he played against the Browns and he played against the Baltimore Ravens, two very stout run defenses. So in Dynasty, I'm still not panicking about Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. He kind of just, he is, he just, he is what he is. He's not a super talented uh, player in in comparison to some of the elite physical talents like you know DeAndre Swift's got a lot of juice you know he, he's a 4-4 guy and he's he's got you know shout out to Shakira you know he's got better hips you know he's more fluid he can bend better you know he's just he's he's a more prolific receiver um Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is not a dynamic athlete is what I'm trying to say but he's tied to the best offense in, in football for I would normally say five years, Buck, but we'll just say four years plus maybe one. Because we, we don't know how the Chiefs feel about Clyde. And maybe another offense is is better for Clyde, you know, once he finishes out his rookie deal. But my point is he's a first round running back tied to the best offense in football. He's not going anywhere. I saw some idiots on Twitter talk about him potentially being benched for dirt. It's not happening. 
Clyde is going to be fine. He's just a low floor, low ceiling player. He's going to give you those boom weeks, and he's not going to be playing against the Browns and the Ravens every week for the rest of the season. So any last Rodgers and Fallers from you before we get into the ace of spades stuff? I have my last riser. I just want to like kind of see how you feel about this guy because he's rising because he had no value like a week ago. But K, uh, KJ uh, Osborne from the Vikings, how do you feel about him? Seven catches, 76 yards on nine targets week one, and then five catches for 91 yards and a touchdown, six targets in week two. It seems like he's really involved. Like he actually might be a thing here. He obviously was like a waiver wire pickup in most dynasty leagues, but you think he has like some season long, like some real dynasty value? Like, do you think he could be a guy that could be maybe like a wide receiver three or even has some type of like breakout upside here? Yeah, I think there's definitely potential for that. I completely ignored him after week one because, you know, we see that every week one with receivers, especially because so many of them just produce within the framework of, of whatever the offense is doing, like Cedric Wilson can have a big game. Like nobody's going to be super excited about him for Dynasty. Um, but yeah, maybe. I mean, you know, Irv Smith is not there, so they're running a lot more 11, like one tight end on the field as opposed to two. Like a lot of those targets were like Irv Smith targets. So Dynasty appeal, I mean, I guess Adam Thielen is aging out. Uh, Irv Smith will be back, but we don't know what that offense is going to look like. Um, let me check something really, really quick, just because I'm curious. Because this is a player that, um, hold on, let me find it. This is a player that I don't, like I said, I didn't really pay a lot of attention to, but I, I want to say I looked this up on Player Profiler and. Yeah, he was. He's a decent athlete. Like, he was a fifth-round pick, but he's a 4-4 dude. I mean, I don't know, but, like, Kurt blew his he, – he blew the bag on his motherfucking ace of spades. Like, I don't even know if this dude has any fab left. So, I mean, for his sake, I hope he's something, but I don't know, bro. Like, after after me dealing with Travis Fulgham and then I was pounding the table for Marquez Callaway, like – I mean, probably not, bro. Like, I don't, I don't know. We do this with a lot of players like this, but I mean, the production doesn't allow the numbers speak for themselves. So maybe you can turn into something. I, I don't have any conviction either way. All right, one, one more, one more. I don't want to call him a faller, but I'm kind of nervous. Like Calvin Ridley, bro. Like, why is this dude not getting a thirty percent target share? Like, what's going on? Maybe he's trying to. I would say he's trying to adjust to the life of being a wide receiver one, but he did play a lot of games without Julio last year, but. I'm not worried about Calvin Ridley. Like, uh, I'm still still feel fine about him. But yes, yeah, he's like was like 36 in the league or something. Uh, you sent that tweet today and target share. Yeah. So as, as far as that, like, he just we thought he would get peppered. Like, he, we thought he would get like damn near 15 targets a game with uh, Julio Jones. So I, I still think he's a wide receiver one. I still think he's a top 12 wide receiver, but maybe that top five, top three, some people even said wide receiver one, maybe that upside's kind of just gone. I mean, he only had six, I think it was 63 yards last game and 50, he had 50 yards in week one after he had 40 yards on the first drive. So I don't know. I just think that offense, I think Matt Ryan, I think that should, I think he just sucks. I, I think, I think this is it for Matt Ryan and I hate watching that offense and Arthur Smith is ass. <laughs> Yeah, there's a lot to unpack there, but my favorite part of that of that rundown is just Arthur Smith is ass. I mean, that's 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 my biggest takeaway. I mean, we know Calvin Ridley is good. You know, Matt Harmon does a really good job charting these wide receivers out. I think um, wide receiver and running back, you know, two of the easiest positions to identify talent in once we get once we get the players on the field. You know, we can see, you know, how good these guys are at, you know, separation, you know, when in there one-on-one matchups with DBs and things like that. And we have really, really good wide receiver stats like yards per route run as opposed to isolated RB metrics that kind of, you know, they kind of favor plotters a lot with a broken tech, you know, like the Josh Jacobs, those guys look really good with those RB metrics. I really care about RB metrics a little less, but yards per route run and things like that, um, really predictive stats as well as um, production stats like air yards, things like that. So, I mean, we know Calvin Ridley is is good enough to be a top five wide receiver because he's done it already. But if he doesn't have the right offensive environment to produce those numbers, and it doesn't really matter, you know how good of a talent he is. So we'll have to see, bro. Anyway, let's get into the best part of the show: the Ace of Spades news and notes. Any big takeaways from the Ace of Spades Week Two slate, Buck? Before we get into the auction talk, um, I just. <laughs> Then I need to score some more damn points. And I lost my QB one. Like what's up, what's up with what's up with this? I lose Tyrod Taylor, who is about it. He looked like he was about to blow up and get me a 24 second. 
But <laughs> that's that's probably my biggest takeaway. 128 points, man. I'm out of here. Not a not a not a 24 second. He was gonna bust somebody head like that. <laughs> you see him out there in the first half? Yeah, he was getting freaky out there. I ain't gonna stunt. Yeah, yeah, that was, that's unfortunate. But hey, hey, it's like it's like a win win for you, no bullshit. Because you also you have Davis Mills as well. What if Davis Mills goes out there and he, you know, it's not a very high bar. But what if he looks better than Trevor Lawrence? Like we don't know. Man, I hope that's the case. <laughs> but like hey, you said, they, that's not really it's not, that's not a high bar. It's like a a a Trevor Lawrence for Davis Mills straight. A bullet tap in with a jump on the show, brother. Um, let's talk about hey, let's talk about my trade frenzy on Saturday, bro. Like you hated on me all day when I was busting moves. And look, I'll tell you like this: we got about fifteen minutes left on the show, but I really want to dive into this before we get into the auction talk. You know, people were like DMing me, like texting me, like salty, like Cam doing Cam things. Like, what the? I, bro, Boosie, hey, Boosie, daughter voice. I told y'all niggas, bro. I told y'all to start making shit shake. Like motherfuckers just sitting around, buck like they teams nasty. Like shit, I did two trades. I'm good. Like you're not, you're not good. You're not done. And the 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 chat was stale for a few weeks, man. You know, I pulled a few GMs out of the league. You included, you know, Rio, Justin to do a bunch of drafts with me. So maybe people are just bogged down. But that the activity in Ace of Spades got so dry. I was encouraging people like, yo. Y'all got moves to make, man. I, I'm always looking at everybody's team and trying to identify trades that can be made. And there are a lot of teams in the league that can help one another with activity. And none of y'all was doing shit. So I said, Fine. I'm doing it myself. So shit, I did it my motherfucking self. And then, you know, when I make a trade, it's a domino effect, bro. So, you know, they went back to back to back to back. And, you know, now we're here. I think I added a little bit to my win rate this season and collected a few twenty three picks. Like, you know, can I get can I get some gas, bro? Like can can you shout me out? Like, did I do my thing? Like, what's good? Oh no, bro. No, no, bro. <laughs> <laughs> no I'm playing, bro. Uh, you you did your thing, but I mean you pissed me off. <laughs> <laughs> Head ass. Yeah. As Kurt would say, Yeah, you know. But then just don't say nothing after that. <laughs> like, when you be like, damn, Kurt, you did, hey, you, you raw for that shit. That was hard. He'd be like, yeah, you know. That's how I felt, bro. But, hey, I made all those moves, bro. And, like, I put my team in a position, like, where I wanted it to be. But how the fuck do I not have Stefan Diggs on my team, bro? Like, I should actually, like, boot up with you and knock your ass out. Hey, you know, bro, no bullshit. I can use this. You know how I felt? When you traded Diggs to one of the other fucking contenders in the league, this is how I felt. Oh, you motherfuckers. <laughs> okay. All right. Okay. You think you can do this to me? Boy, Buck, y'all niggas is going to be playing fantasy in Pelican Bank. Fucking with me like that. You know, send Diggs to my rival. I don't appreciate that, bro. Man, I'm sorry about that. But you got to chill on me, man. Damn. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just trying to help my... You see my ass-ass team, bro. I'm just trying to help myself over here, man. Damn. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, I, I think the dig trade was like, whatever, bro. We talked about that. You heard the last part. Me and Kurt talked about that trade. I mean, <laughs> Devontae Smith, I mean, I guess, like, once he gets a quarterback that can actually be accurate consistently, you know, who knows? Like, I wish Diggs was on my team, though. Anyway, another takeaway from... The week in Ace of Spades. I made a change today. Hopefully, everybody got the opportunity to see it and adjust their lineups accordingly. But we had four flexes going into the season uh, just because we had a different format last year. We had IDP as well as two RB. We took an RB slot away as well as removed uh, IDP entirely from Ace of Spades. Thank goodness. But we weren't sure what to do in terms of the wide receiver positions because at the time, of closing out the 2020 season buck, we actually had a couple teams that had five startable RBs. Uh, one of them was myself. So uh, we didn't want to screw anybody over with the changes as we, we always try not to do. But now that the league has shifted to more anti-RB and everybody's kind of like collecting wide receivers, I checked everybody's lineup even from last year dating back to the first two weeks in this year. Everybody's like starting at least three 
wide receivers, uh, most people are starting four plus. So I went ahead and made that change before anybody did something freaky with their roster and tried to like start five tight ends or some weird shit. And, you know, I asked the commissioner to run it by them, announce it to the league. You can give me your thoughts and feedback. But one of the one of the guys, he, he, he told me like, hey, you know, can we do this like midseason? I was trying to tell him like, you know, he asked me. Come on, man, we can't do that. Hell yeah, we can. We the police. We can do the fuck we want to do. Why don't we just... Oh, do whatever the fuck I want, man. Like, come on, man. Like, this change doesn't aff- this, this does, doesn't negatively affect anybody. So give me your thoughts and feedback on the three-hour receiver sets, man. I think it looks better cosmetically, but what did you think about the change? No, I like it. Uh, I kind of started to play, like, three-hour receiver leagues, like, this year. And they're my favorite now. Like, I, I want all my leagues to be like that. It just looks so much better. And like you said, most people are already starting hello wide receivers anyway. So I'm just a big fan of that. Like I don't know how many two wide receiver leagues we're not to be playing in. I just like I just like the way it looks that much. Yeah, so it's so weird, right? Like, why does it look like it just looks so much better? I don't know, like I don't know. It just it makes the form it makes the lineups look cleaner. Can't describe it. It's weird. I agree. Anyway, last ten minutes. I'm doing the Birdman hand rub for everybody that can't see me right now. Let's talk auction. Twenty twenty two. Rookie draft will be here before we know it. It's like seven months away. We're going to start the auction on NFL draft day. Couldn't be more excited about that, even though I have zero auction dollars to my name, Buck. So I want to take this opportunity to help the rest of the league as this information doesn't doesn't benefit or help me at all. But I want to give the league a better understanding of what to expect in an auction. So first of all, Buck, you can chime in whenever you whenever you want. But at a high level, let's talk to the league about what auction is. So we're used to doing linear rookie drafts where if you finish in last place, you have the number one overall pick. The only difference in auction is the picks are assigned to a dollar amount. It's like fab, but draft money. So if you finish in last place, you will end up with that pick slotted with the highest valued dollar amount. So with the chart we use, the number one overall pick is worth 300 auction dollars, as opposed to the second being worth 242, the third being worth 208, and so on and so forth. So, so far, let me pause for a second, because this is a lot to unpack. Am I doing a good job explaining this so far, Buck? Yeah, you are. Okay. So, the picks are slotted. Based on final standings, just like they are in linear rookie drafts, the only difference is you have carte blanche to do whatever you want in the draft depending on your budget. So if you're somebody like V's and this was a normal auction draft, which it isn't, and we'll talk about that in a bit with the compensatory picks and all the pick trading and things like that, then you could say, all right, well, V's has the number one overall pick. He has 300 bucks. He should go after, you know, let's say Spencer Rattler. But... V's, like most other people, are coming around to the realization, Buck, we know Spencer Rattler looks kind of ass. So maybe with his $300, he decides, hey, as opposed to going after Spencer Rattler, I will let somebody else bid on Spencer Rattler. There's no pressure for me to take him at the 101, and I will use my $300 to take Brees Hall and Traylon Burks. You know what I mean? Yeah, like piece it out and get two players instead of that one guy, like maybe go after two wide outs and let everyone bid up on the quarterbacks and stuff. Exactly. So that gives you, you know, a rationalization of how the auction could play out at a high level. Whereas in a linear draft, if V's has that number one overall pick and he takes Traylon Burks in a fucking super flex league, people are going to kind of be looking at him sideways. You know what I mean? So with the auction dollars, it gives you that optionality to go any direction you want. And with somebody like V's, and we'll talk about, you know, his buying power in this draft in a minute, but it gives you more flexibility uh, in terms of what you can do or what direction you can take your roster. I'm really, really impressed with this podcast so far and this explanation, Buck. It's going smoother than I expected, but I I think the league is going to get a lot out of this. Anyway. What I have decided to do on this podcast, and we will be able to get through this in the next five, six minutes, is I have decided to go through the pick ownership in Ace of Spades for the 2022 draft and give all of you an approximate value based on 
Final standing projection, max points for projection, and essentially how we think the season will pan out in terms of who's going to have what picks. And we have assigned an approximate dollar amount in terms of how these auction funds is going to be distributed. Did I explain that correctly, Buck? Yeah. All right. So let's let's go in order, bro. And actually, Buck, let me hand this off to you. And we will start with myself at the bottom and go all the way to the top because I think the last number will give people sticker shock. But again, guys, this will give you an idea of the fund distribution in this draft and whether or not you are going to be able to get one of those high-level players or elite assets or if you need to do work collecting more draft picks to give yourself more spending power in this draft. So, Buck, why don't you start with me and go to the top? Okay, you you and – well, let's start with you and Kurt have zero auction dollars. Oh, fuck. <laughs> and then uh, Danny has 20. Get fucking smoked, Danny. So, 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 Buck, real quick, let's stop. If you go into this draft with $20 in an auction, essentially you're going to get player – 30 like through 36. Third, like, yeah. Like a, like a third round rookie pick. Yes, exactly. So just give that. I wanted to give that context because when you see the dollar amounts that everybody else has and you see Danny down here with 20 bucks, I mean, he's basically waiting for all y'all to bid and he's got to hope that he can get, you know, a fucking Jared Dokes at the end of the goddamn draft. At best, <laughs> like a Tyler Johnson type shit. You know what I mean? But go ahead. Uh, Justin has $38. Smoked. Uh, Tyreek has 75 and he could go up if he gets a comp pick and tell him the dollar amount that he could potentially go up to if he gets that compensatory pick 225. Okay. So that's pretty significant. All right. Go through the rest. Chris at $102. Damn. Rio at $130. Hey, let's stop and uh, pause. Let's stop and pause on Rio real quick. Cause this is the, he has a bunch of picks. If you look at his pick slate, he has a ton, but he has a bunch of late third round picks. Those are not worth as much. And Rio actually had a couple of first round picks in this draft and he kind of nickel and dimed him away. So, Buck, what I, one thing I want to touch on is if you want to make sure you have buying power in, in, in these drafts, but now that it's auction, remember these picks aren't slotted. So if you start nickel and diming away your picks, you lose a lot of flexibility and spending power in these drafts. So just keep that in mind. He's somebody who went from having a lot of first-round picks in 2022 to having a lot less. He'll still be able to get a solid player with having $130, but the other teams that you're going to get to are, are basically going to have their first shake at all the players. Yeah, uh, Isaiah at 184 Okay. And then uh, Burke at 311 Anthony at 371. I'm at 406. And then are you ready for these? All right, let's talk about you, Burke, and A-Flow real quick. Because I, I updated it, and I think estimated Anthony is at like 315, and you're at like 418. So there's a $100 discrepancy there. That's like the difference in a player. That's like a difference in an early second round pick. And before we get to V's, you guys have $300 plus. So no one else even, you know, has 200 outside of Tariq with the compensatory pick potentially giving him a total of 225. So there are only so far three GMs, not including V's with over $300. So when you think about just the math aspect of it, and you think about the top 12 players, if there are only three GMs or four plus V's with over $300, you're pretty confident that you can net either one elite asset with your $418 buck or two, you know, mid to late round first round picks, right? Yeah, for sure. I could piece it out if I want to. You could piece it out if you want to. You could go spend up for a quarterback and then backfill that with a wide receiver. You could get potentially a a, a running back and two wide receivers, maybe a late first-round wide receiver and an early second-round wide receiver. I encourage everybody who's listening to the pod to just do the math themselves and understand, like, you know, just based on the percentage of the funds allocated to these picks – how these bidding wars are going to pan out and what, what players are going to be worth what amount just based on percentages and how many first round picks, uh, how we think first round picks are going to be slotted 
and how much more we should be bidding on those top three prospects as opposed to the prospects in the back end of the first round. So three three GMs over 300 bucks. Let's get into V's and see how much V's has. What does DJ Khaled say? Major bag alert. <laughs> <laughs> V's got 1,117 auction dollars. Sheesh, Mo. <laughs> <laughs> This motherfucker, hey, hey, what thugger say? Got me a check, I got a check. This motherfucker got over a thousand. Like, bro, like, I mean, he has, he has almost four times what the second GM has in auction dollars, at least how we projected to pan out. That's you with 418. So, if he, look, if this pans out how, how it's looking like it's going to pan out, and we're we're over 45 minutes, so... We'll go over a little bit, but we'll stop before we get to 50 because I like to keep these like shorter than an hour. Um, But this is really interesting. I think this is really good information for the league. And I want everybody who listens to this pod to make sure you're giving feedback around auction now that we've kind of painted this picture for you and let me know how you think it's going to pan out. But, but you have $418. That is a lot. You are going to be able to get multiple players with that, or you could potentially even, you know, push V's out of that number one prospect, whoever it is. I don't think based on how much money he has, you should be trying to do that. I think you should just let the big dog do what he want to do. But you could potentially force him out of a player if you wanted to. Nobody else can really do that. He has three times the second GM's um, um, auction dollar amount. So what's really what's stopping him from getting the top five players in this draft? Yeah, he he could run out of this draft and fix his team in one draft if he plays it right. He could he could fix his entire team in one draft. He could go he could go Isaiah Spiller, Brees Hall, outbid you and Burke, and still have enough to go after a couple wide receivers. I mean, it's just it's ridiculous. It, it, what what Boogie Cousins say? I hope everybody see what the hell going on out here because it's getting ridiculous. It's getting ridiculous. <laughs> I mean. I mean, I don't even, bro. If I had, if I had a twenty-two first right now, I would just give it to him. Like, who am I gonna get? <laughs> yeah, that that was. Kind of, I was like really shopping for twenty-two first, and I was like, uh, let me just let me just chill where I'm at at this point. Yeah, I mean, I think I think you're in a good spot. I wouldn't let anybody squeeze you out. Like, if you see somebody trading for another twenty twenty-two first, I would try to get some seconds and maybe piece those up to get equal value for a first because you can do that. You know, two first. I'm sorry, two second-round picks can equal a first. Like, you got to get real creative with your bidding. I was actually surprised you were second. I don't know why I was expecting you to be higher. I think it was, like, before the digs thing, I expected you to finish with a higher total. But you should be in a position to have your compensatory pick land in the top three. But I don't know. I'm kind of in awe of this, man. I'm kind of in awe of, of, you know, we know he has a lot of picks. But when you give it context and you actually put it on paper, it's like, bro, I just traded for his 2023 first and it's like bro like the fuck like is motherfucker gonna make the playoffs if he hits like you know what i'm like if deshaun watson is back and jordan love is is the starter if aaron Rodgers leaves and 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 jared goff you know retains his his role as a starting qb for the lions i mean he's gonna have three starting quarterbacks one super elite quarterback and he could go you know rb three wide receiver or rb rb two wide receiver still get it like i don't know that first round pick is like what what did burke say (laughs) That's the that's the twenty three one hundred one. He he he, Burke, shut your ass! But you don't you don't know, brother. So I made sure I got some insurance. I made sure I got his twenty twenty three second as well in that trade that we did. But I'm probably gonna have a little bit of work to do in twenty twenty three just to get additional first round picks to make sure that I can have you know some semblance of what these did in this draft. But I think this perfectly illustrated how important it is to collect picks in auction rookie drafts and understanding that if you have singular picks in these drafts they aren't really worth a lot like we're looking at daniel here at 20 dollars. we're looking at uh justin here at 38 dollars. i mean they, they may as well just send those picks for a player that could have you know some upside in dynasty or has some um some value to stick in the, on their taxi squad or some shit like it just doesn't make sense to hold those picks you know what i'm saying yeah, I agree. Because, like you said, it's basically just like a like a dart throw guy at the end of your draft, like one of those fourth-round rookie picks, whoever they were this year, Dokes, uh, the fake running back from the Falcons. 
Hawkins, those type of guys. Javian Hawkins, yeah, exactly. So I, I thought this was really interesting. We we're about five minutes over already, and um, I wanted to keep this right at forty five minutes, and we could have. But I, I thought this was really really interesting. I think it's really informative to share this with the league. And another element of this, you know, Buck, before we close out. Maybe Ace of Spades goes to less pass, you know, uh, pass happy, uh, less trade happy approach, you know, like he, they see like, oh, I'm just I'll send this first. I'll, I'll just send this first. I'll get it back. I'll send it. First. And now like, look, motherfucker, V has got the bro, like, <laughs> like, I'm not even going to show up to this motherfucker like, for what? <laughs> I'm in second place and you got 700 more dollars than me. Yeah, it's just going to be like in there. And you just think about it when you when you break it down. And I'd be curious to hear everybody's take on this, like what they think is going to happen in the draft. But I mean, I would I would imagine that those QBs go for around you know two hundred bucks. I would imagine like the the running backs go for you know over a hundred over hundred and seventy five, like close to two hundred bucks. You know, in, in that same range. So you would think those top four players go around two fifty. So I mean, it's going to be interesting to see the strategy behind it. Like, is he going to? Like stick you guys like if you're going up for Sam Howell and you get to like 200 is he gonna just bid 201 and just say fuck you and make you pay up a little bit more like he's gonna be a bully in this draft bro yeah it's gonna be tough it's gonna it's gonna be tough I'm interested to see how it's gonna pan out he's gonna get every player he wants so I think the best bet for y'all like you know you and 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 Burke which I think you guys are in a really good position but the best possible outcome for you guys is just hope he doesn't like the same player that you like. For sure. And that's the show. Buck, any final thoughts? I think that's it. I had fun. Uh, a lot of fun doing this one. Yeah, this was dope, bro. This is this is one of my favorites in recent memory. We've got to get back on our P2P shit. Hey, shout out P2P, bro. The best fantasy podcast out there. Anyway. Thanks. I'm rambling, man. Drop the outro. Holla at you boys later. And remember... It's up there And it's still Stuck there Buck let me get a yes sir Yes sir